What's up and welcome back to the Dream Mason podcast. I'm your host, Alex Terranova. I'm a Dream Mason, a performance coach. I work with strong and successful people to boldly declare what they want, get real about what's in the way, and create the strategy and the steps for more clarity, freedom, and success in their life. Together, we get things done faster, raise the bar on your goals, improve your relationships, and get crystal clear on what you really want. Now, if you haven't already, Please support me and this podcast by subscribing on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, TuneIn, or YouTube, and please leave a review on iTunes. Follow me, Inspirational Alex, on Instagram, and share this podcast with a friend. Now, a dream mason is a person who is brave enough to declare they have a dream and committed enough to do the work to build it. Now, I know we all have a dream mason inside of us, and my dream for this podcast is to support us by giving us a glimpse inside the hearts and minds of leaders, creators, and innovators to help us unleash our inner dream mason. Because your dreams don't build themselves. I want to give a quick shout out to our sponsor, Accomplishment Coaching. I won't let anyone sponsor this show, but I've personally done Accomplishment Coaching, their year-long life leadership training program, and it changed my life completely. Besides giving me a new career, it supported me to improve my relationships with my family, my friends, make the most money I've ever made, find more joy, and overall live a much more powerful life. So if you're interested in coaching, transformational work, or leadership training, Accomplishment Coaching is definitely the world's finest training program. Let's get into this episode. What's up and welcome back to the Dream Mason podcast. I am your host, Alex Terranova, and I wouldn't be here today if it weren't for this human sitting across from me who I'm about to introduce you to. And no, it's not my mother um, or my father (laughs) for that matter. Uh, I should clarify. Definitely. We are not related, have never been related. Um, But the person I'm sitting here with was the first person I ever got a coaching session with. And the person that, you know, opened my eyes to what coaching is, what it could be, uh, what I always say is it was the first time in my life that I realized I was the problem, that (laughs) (laughs) there was nothing in my way except for me, that I was the recurring pattern and theme. Uh, She also ended up being my first coach that I continued to work with and really, I want to say one of my first trainers as a coach. And this podcast today is totally impromptu. She is in San Diego and we were like, we should do this. Let's create this. So we talked for like five minutes before we actually hit record and uh, we hope you get value. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. And please uh, welcome to the podcast. My guest today is Casey Carden. And before, let me give you a little bit about Casey. So this woman is very multi-talented and in so many different fields. So first of all, she is a coach because I already touched on that. You should know that first. So she works with executives and she does leadership coaching. And now she's even, I'm going to put words in your mouth, Casey, but like she's breaking into other ways where she's combining her old and new worlds because she's also an opera singer and is a speaker. She just spoke at a conference on growth mindset, voice skills, and something she created, which is the seven pillars of top performance top performers. And she also invented a program called Chakra Less, 
chakra less. I don't know how that, I don't know how many E's and S's are on the end of there. Uh, but Casey has all the skills, uh, whether it be in the mind or the voice or the creative arts. Casey, thanks so much for being here. What's up? Thank you. Thank you for that amazing introduction. I feel so, so honored and so grateful and so present to the work that we do right now. Like the whole point of our work is around unpredictable results and leaping into the unknown. And I can't imagine that either one of us would have predicted that we would be sitting here across from each other on your podcast <laughs> the day that we met. No way. However many, <laughs> how many years has it been? I'm actually not sure, like four years maybe? No, it was probably, it was probably closer to, it's between four and five years because I've had my own practice for, this is my fourth full year. And then we met before that, obviously. So some, it's probably closer to five. That's amazing. But yeah, we met at a, at a random networking event. Right. And I mean, I don't think I called you. You gave me your card and you were like the seventh coach I had met that I was like, no, I don't want this. <laughs> Get away. Who are these happy people right. that think things are possible? I just want to be negative and miserable in my life. But your business card, for whatever reason, which is totally like divine intervention, sat on my dresser for however many weeks or whatnot. And I thought I called you, but I think you were like, no, you emailed me. I don't, I don't remember, actually. I don't remember. I don't remember if you called or texted maybe or something. But yeah, getting in touch and saying, all right, let's do that sample session thing. Which like never you know, happens, like, right? What's that People thing? just like never show up. <laughs> yeah. You know what's funny right now? So I have been, my practice has been paperless for the past couple of years. I've tried to be more digital friendly, you know, meeting people on like message me on LinkedIn or send me an Instagram DM or whatever if you want to set stuff up. But you're actually having me rethink that right now by saying my business card sat on your desk for however long that was. It's pretty funny. So good networking tip for anybody <laughs> listening. <laughs> Hand out those business cards. And the whole, I mean, where we're both of us to your point of like where we are now versus where we were, I, I, I need you to tell the story about how, so I reached out and mm -hmm. then it was like, yeah, meet me at the time I was running a restaurant group in New York. And I was like, meet me at this bar down the street <laughs> right. from where I was working, which was just convenient for me. Yeah. <laughs> what was your side of that? So. Okay. So it's really funny because I imagine that if I were in that situation today and at this point in my own practice, I probably would have said, okay, here's how this is actually going to work. We're going to do this <laughs> video chat where we're both in, you know, whatever. Um, so it's an interesting place to look with what sort of rules and regulations you put on your own possibility. Um, but yeah, we, we organized this meeting to meet up at this bar slash restaurant. And I was like, all right, I'm going to do this coaching consult at a bar. Let's do this. At the time, though, I will say I was doing a workshop series called Coach and a Cocktail, which was essentially yeah. a happy hour introduction to the idea of coaching kind of workshop. So, you know, the other part of that was like, yeah, sure. All right. We can do this. It's a place where you're comfortable. We can talk about it. You'll feel, you know, you're in your territory and you'll be open. Um, so that's what we did. We met up and we sat down and we really like got really connected and dove deep really quickly, you know, and like before there were drinks involved, <laughs> there were no drinks involved Ooh. in the consult until <laughs> the afterwards. And then we were like, okay, so let's have a glass of wine. I really remember how much you took from what I said and put it on paper. Like mm -hmm. I, you were very, you would like draw pictures, 
But I remember seeing like you weren't putting anything on paper like, hey, this is what you need to go do with your life. You mm -hmm. were just taking my words and kind of putting it in a new way for me to see them. And I remember at that moment just being like, like, holy crap, like, oh, my God, like, look at how, you know, constricting or limiting my life is. But seeing it visually versus. Yeah, like seeing your comfort zone actually diagrammed out in front of you. It's it is. It's a wild experience. And it's such an interesting way to see your life down on paper. And is that actually what you thought it would look like? And is that what you want it to look like for the rest of it? Um, it's pretty wild. The thing that I also remember is how willing you were to take the look at it and to really give it to some consideration and not just, you know, sometimes we look at things and it makes us a little uncomfortable. And so we immediately run away from it until we feel more ready. And there was none of that on your side. You said, yep, this is this. There's a lot in this for me and I want to transform it. What's next? And that was really powerful. And then we got more divine intervention, right? Because I then went, typically somebody would hire you or they'd hire me at that moment, right? But instead I was like, no, I want to do this. I want to do this for other people. And I signed up for the same coaching program that you had done, which is accomplishment coaching. And they, we got assigned to each other. It's not, yes. you didn't get to pick me. I didn't get to say, hey, I want her to be my coach. We got assigned and it, it's not, like, uh, oh, they should be together because she's the one that gave him the session. It's yeah, it's, it's like a double blind matching process. Yeah. And, and people don't even know it's based on your your breakthroughs and your strengths and your gaps and who's going to be the best match to really um, reflect things to these clients. It's a really cool process. And so it is wild that after that meeting we'd had that we were then sort of fatefully assigned to work together for the next year of your life. Yeah. And we worked together longer than that. And I mean, you really, you were one of the, you were one of the only stable pieces I want to say in my life as a transition, right? Like we were, to, we worked together through leaving the restaurant business, which is the only thing I had ever really known and done. And I don't know that I would have done that without you basically looking at me and being like, what are you afraid of? That's how I remember it. I don't know what actually happened, but I remember you being like, what are you afraid of it? Like, what are you afraid is actually going to happen if you leave? And we couldn't actually come up with anything that was real. Um, and then, you know, going from starting my own business to getting engaged to the challenges that came from starting your own business and getting engaged and leaving all the money of your old world behind and, I think I moved her and I moved in together and just like everything. And then it was kind of like the whole house of cards kind of fell apart, mm -hmm. which I actually should say too, like when you change all that, like a lot of my friendships changed the people I was around, like you were one of the stable pieces through it. And even to the point where I decided to end the engagement and leave New York city altogether. But I mean, you got me through a, like that was a rough two years. That we worked together. An awesome two years. Yeah. <laughs> but I also mean, you, very transitional. You completely reinvented yourself and your life during that time. I mean, it's really incredible. And the biggest thing that that I think of when I think of you and that reinvention period and where you sit right now and who you are sitting across from me right now is just how much heart and presence we get from you at this point. Don't tell them that. <laughs> yes. At the beginning of, of knowing you, and I, I, this is the biggest thing I think of the night that I met you at that networking event, you were like Mr. Tough, cool guy. 
and there just wasn't a lot of access to who you truly are at your core, you know, but it looked good. It was working for you. You know, you had the success and the friends and the social life and I think quite a love life from stories I've heard. <laughs> but no, I mean, all kidding aside, you were very like charming and magnetic, you know, so you had this great presence, but then there was just so much more to you. And at this point, it's like the minute somebody meets you, they really get to be with all of you immediately. And it's really, really incredible. And it's been incredible to watch you really peel away some of the protective things that even if they were working really well, just weren't authentic for you. Yeah. And I think that's, I think it's, it, and it's ongoing, right? Like we could say, I wasn't there when you went through, totally. you know, this, but even at the same time, you know, I can say you were my mentor starting out and the, the way you show up is vastly different. It's so much more powerful. And I think we could look at all of your clients, all of my clients, all the other coaches we know. And it's, it's pretty amazing to think like, there's nothing wrong with any of them, right? To your point, like I was fine and doing pretty well. But you're right. Like I didn't even have access to myself. Yeah. And I think that there's, that's the cool piece and it's still ongoing. Like, cause I don't actually still feel like that. I don't feel like when I show up, people get my heart. Maybe they do. Maybe they don't, you know, I, I'm the, probably not the best judge of how I show up, but I do believe people when they say it. Yeah. And, and it is an ongoing process. Always. We're always rediscovering and, and choosing to reinvent. I think that's the thing I love most about this work is that we can intentionally create gaps for ourselves to grow into, you know, and to that point of there was nothing wrong with you and there was nothing wrong with me when I got into this work. You know, I, I hired a coach in 2013 because I had been singing professionally in New York, but started to wake up every day feeling really burnt out and stressed and just really lonely. I think that was the biggest thing for me that from the outside, people thought I was living the life and it looked really exciting. And some people even thought it looked very glamorous. I was traveling all the time. I was singing in all these different places. Um, but, you know, I was coming home every night feeling like I was living a life that wasn't even based on my heart or what I wanted. And certainly there was no one there on a stable basis to share it with, you know? So, so yeah, I think both of us at this point in our lives are more open and more probably more um, vulnerable and loving than well, we've ever been. And we're sitting here now, your fiance is sitting outside this He's room. sitting outside. How <laughs> wild is that? Before I did this work, I didn't think I would ever actually get married, honestly. And to tell on myself, most of the relationships I was having in 2013 would last anywhere from a day to a month. And that was about it, you know, and I just didn't know how to let somebody in. But like you said, when you said, oh, I realized it was me who was the issue. I spent a lot of time blaming, oh, well, this is how men are. This is how relationships go. Or it's because I'm too busy or something like that. It would have never occurred to me at that point that it was because my heart wasn't open or wasn't available, you know? And I even had, I remember one of the, the last relationships I had actually before I met Jeff, um, the guy was lovely and we connected and we got along really well, but he said, you just seem really hard to pin down. Like it just seems really hard to have you pause long enough to really get in there with you and be with you, you know? And it really struck me because at that point I was doing this, this work and I had been through a lot of growth and change, but clearly there was still some protection going on. And so, like you said, yeah, the layers are always 
peeling away. Let's talk about quickly because I want to touch on the chakra less because it's super different and Ooh, unique. Yeah. And the seven pillars because they kind of seem like they're intertwined. Definitely. Um, let's just look at like what's the thing that you're creating in your future that you're working on that is like really unique to your practice and, and really true to who you are? Mm, that's such a good question. Thank you. Uh, so my my tagline for my practice right now is a little bit woo-woo, a little bit to-do. And I think that's the best way to sum up where it's headed is um, really tying in some of the spiritual work and the energy work that has been very impactful for me on a personal level with the very tangible uh, practical accountability aspects of some of the coaching work that I do as well. So tying in all of that. And that's what it's what Chakra Lesk is. And it's also what this Seven Pillars of Top Performers is about. Um, and I'm actually working on a book on that to help that reach more people and be more accessible. But um, for me, it comes from. So let's see where to start with it. I first heard the term chakra probably 22 years ago. I was living in a small, tiny town in Tennessee and randomly subscribed to Yoga Journal during like a <laughs> high school book drive or something, right? Like I didn't really even know what it was, but something about it called to me and I was definitely at a point where I was looking for something bigger. Yoga Journal was like, somebody from Alabama like, just subscribed. What? <laughs> probably, Who? They were like, what is this? Is this a prank? <laughs> so I started reading about it and like trying to practice yoga, you know, a lot, like just figuring it out on my own, but I was absorbing whatever information I could that would kind of open my world up a little bit. Um, I still am certainly no expert on any of those things, but the, the chakra system and this idea that we have these seven major energy points in our body that reflect different things that are going on in our physical and energetic and emotional bodies and things that we actually have some control over, we can consciously shift how those things are going. That, that theory really appealed to me. Um, and I have found tying it into some of the coaching work has been really, really impactful for me and for my clients. So what chakra lesk is, is, so it's a little bit different. And this goes into one of those other, you know, one of the many things that I do, in addition to singing opera, I also have been a burlesque performer since 2010, 2009, something like that. Um, and I got into burlesque as a way to heal from some trauma. And I was trying to, to make friends with my body again. So I got into burlesque um, and a few years ago started to tie that in with some of the energy work. So Chakra Lesque is an energy healing workshop accessed through burlesque-inspired movement. So it's kind of part workout class, part dance class, part guided meditation, and a little bit of coaching thrown in, depending on what people need in the moment. And that's been that's been really fun and a really huge gift for me and I think for all of the women who've attended and so far it has been all women in the classes it is open to anyone all bodies all backgrounds um, but it's been a really a really amazing practice and people walk out feeling much more aligned in their body minds and spirit um, and a lot of women have said I've never felt this empowered in my own body before and it's not anything I'm doing it's just holding the space to actually have them move in certain ways that correspond with their creativity or their heart or their intuition or their willingness to express themselves, you know, vocally. Um, it's been really great. So I then turned it into a presentation called the seven pillars of top performers. 
and it takes you all the way from the root to the crown through the seven major chakras, um, talks about which parts of you they govern, and then some very specific practices you can do that correspond to that. And it's everything from like, you know, the root and your foundation is around creating a safe space for yourself and making sure that your basic needs are met. So even something like making sure you have a budget that's empowered, you know, that you're clear on your finances and you're clear that some of your your basic stuff is is being handled. That's one of the, the seven pillars. And long story short, we don't have to walk through all of them, obviously, but when I work with clients, I find the ones who are the most successful, the most fulfilled, the most joyful and integrated in their lives are really empowered and conscious around every single one of these points. I'm like, did somebody tell you to come in here and talk about budgets? <laughs> <laughs> did you need to hear that? Who needs I did to hear need that to, right I think now? I needed to hear that right now. <laughs> it's actually something I've been working on that as a, as my business grows and expands, mm. I actually have to take my let's just say financial responsibility or um, awareness to mm -hmm. like a new, a completely new level that I'm not actually trained for, right? Like, because unless you went to school for accounting or most of us didn't learn how to do those things. Yeah. Um, so it's funny that you would bring that up because it's the thing that's like, right. It's like the big poop in the pool right now that I'm like, how do I get it out? Do I just swim around it? Like, what do I do? <laughs> Got it. Well, and that's one of the things I've talked about this weekend with people. I'm like, when we don't like what we might find there, or yeah. if it's just been a while and we've let it go on autopilot, and then we get kind of scared of what we're going to find. So we're like, oh, well, maybe if I just don't look at it, it'll sort itself out. And that's how it's, you know, it's, I don't have, I'm not having to deal with it because of a bad thing. Mm -hmm. Like what actually showed up for me is I got my, my accountant told me what I owed in taxes for 2018 and I wish he had just punched me in the face, <laughs> but it was, it's a good thing because the fact that I owe more means I made more. Right. And, and I had an incredible year, but I wasn't prepared for the consequence of having an incredible year. Mm. And that made me look at something that I would prefer not to look at. Like I would prefer just to make money and spend money and just like it all works and don't get in, don't have, it doesn't go too high or too low and it's kind of just works. Yeah. But the games I'm up to, the, the, the podcast, the, the books, the programs, like all these things actually require me to focus. It's a, it's a whole piece of my life that I'm just was ignoring. Mm -hmm. So so I have a, my tool for this is called the Roy G. Biv check-in. What's it called? The Roy G. Biv check-in. Roy G. The colors Biv. of the rainbow. Okay. It corresponds with all of the chakras um, or all of the pillars, however you want to look at it. And and I'm, I'm trying to be intentional about not always referring to it as the chakras because I want this to be accessible for anybody who believes anything, you know, like this isn't going to work for people who are like, I don't believe in whatever. God, spirit, spaghetti monster, anything. But the Roy G. Biv check-in, super easy way to check in with yourself every day. So you've got your root. You've got openness. Am I open? Am I creating? The why is for your solar plexus. It's the yes, I can. Are you taking action? Are you owning your competence? Um, I've got, let's see, what's the G? G is green light love. Or you can think of it as giving and receiving love. You've got... This is hard when I'm not looking at the sheet of paper that I wrote this down on. The B is um, being authentically expressed and believing in your truth. And then you've got intuition and insight. And the V is vision and mission. 
So you're checking through all of those things every single day or every single week, you know, whatever's whatever you want to empower as a structure. But it's really having you take a holistic look at your life and your business and all of your practices all the time on a regular basis. So when one levels up, you make sure you're leveling up all seven. I was like, wait, and the, I'm like writing down the letters and I'm like, those are not, that's not what I wrote down. <laughs> I wrote down RGBV. <laughs> Is this a like, Casey's Southern no, accent issue I that I you don't can't know, understand but, the words? But you went through it, so it's all good. Yeah. Did um, you not learn that acronym as a little kid? I don't think so. Colors aren't my thing. But this is how I not, learned the colors of the rainbow. I, think I don't there's know like what a colors children's are. Children's song about Roy G. Bibb. I don't know. <laughs> That's funny. I don't know. Um, I wanted to ask you because you touched on it, and well, we I talked about like. On this podcast, I often want to get into what the obstacles are. So before we even get there, what's the big like vision? Where are you? What's the goal that you are striving and working to get to? I'm kind of in the midst of reinventing what that is. So it's <laughs> that's probably the thing I needed to hear today, similar to the how you needed the little nudge on the budget. I need to reinvent really what the big stuff is. I think... I mean, the really big thing is to make this level of work accessible to all people and to have people really checking in with their practical and their heart centered and spirit centered. Having, Alabama, like, she's coming for you. <laughs> seriously. <laughs> all, of, all of those southern homeland states of mine, um, making sure people's bodies, minds and spirits are all aligned and empowered and to me, when you get people present to that and get people into that place, it just, it impacts the world. It ripples out in such a beautiful way. And to have a world that operates that way, I mean, I don't know. It's, it's hard to imagine with some of the stuff that's going out, you know, going around in the world right now. I mean, we were listening to the news this morning on the way here and I was in tears at some of the stories that were happening, you know? So I think my highest purpose at this point is just to bring more body, mind, heart, spirit work, um, and really just have it on loudspeaker. So I'm working on a book. I'm working on um, bringing these kinds of workshops and chakralesque and things like that to more cities, you know, conferences, different spaces. I uh, I think like a month ago it was, I actually deleted all the news apps off my phone and I don't have, I don't have TV, so I can't watch you know, news, yeah. unless I like go to a website and whatnot, which I don't, I'm not going to do. But at first I did it because I was like, I can't, it's just all too negative. And I'm not, and I'm not, it doesn't actually matter for the sake of this. What's what you believe it's negative either way. If you're on the right, what you get from the left is negative. And if you're on the left, what you get from the right is negative. And it's all just, everybody's wrong and they're the problem. And it's, you know, and yeah. about a month ago, I deleted it all. And I actually noticed yesterday I was driving and I went, oh, my God, my life has been so much more clear and clean and happy since I've deleted it. And the amazing thing was, and nothing is like knowing what I knew or didn't know from the news has not changed anything. And I'm not saying we should all just like ignore. Right. But there's something that got released like. I think there was just like that, that like tension and hostility and anger and upsetness. Everything's still the same. I'm just don't have to be with the, the minute by minute, day by day hostility right. or bitterness or sadness about it. Right. It's so hard to find that balance. Like you said, we have 
you have to be mindful of being in a position where you're privileged enough to not have to pay attention or not have to listen and be, you know, surrounded by it all the time. You have to be mindful of that, but then also be so mindful of your consumption, you know, and what are you letting in and how often? And yeah, it is a big struggle. I certainly don't have the right answer to it by any means, but it's, well, it's this, challenging. And we don't know. My, one of my biggest things was we don't even know what we're getting is true or not true. Again, on either side of any issue. I sat with um, somebody who I find very, very intelligent, and they strongly disagreed with something I felt strongly about. And when they presented why, I like, I went, look, I don't know that anything you just told me is an actual fact. And I can't tell you anything back that they would think that I, that was a fact. And I think that was the thing that I really let go is that we spend most of our time fighting about who's right and who's wrong. And if we look at the history of the world, no sides ever got it right because there's no country, no group of people that is like, oh, wait, look at them. They have the perfect little community or society. Every, you know, who's ever been in charge, there's been a mess since the beginning of time. So this gets me curious, it's a bit of a, a bit of a segue, but it gets me curious actually about the same question for you about what the big picture is for you from here. Cause you and I haven't really gotten to catch up on that in a while and to dig into what you're really working on. I know so many of the things that you are doing and the things that you're creating, but yeah, where do you see it headed? Oh man. Um, Okay. So not the things though. So, cause the things are the, the, the book that'll be out in September. That's the, so exciting. Which I started with you. Yes. Oh my um, God. That's amazing. The second book is like in, is it started and the first, let's say, I don't know, fifth of it is written. Um, and I'm at a moment where I'm going, do I want to just write this book and self-publish? Or it has a it has a very high because of the topic and what it's about. It could easily be a, a traditionally published book, um, and so it's like, or do I want to go that route and play the games that are associated with having to have that happen? Um, and I'm right at the point where I have to decide because if it's if you go the traditional route, it's a totally different. You don't write a whole book. Um, you can, but that's not the way it typically goes because it's then a whole lot of like, this all doesn't work for us. So you, what, what I'm getting from people in that world is you write like a segment of the book, you write a proposal, and then you start trying to get it out there. And I'm like right at that moment where I'd have to decide. Um, what else? Uh, I mean, the podcast is like, this is my favorite thing. I love this. This gets me like if finding a way to do this and earn income from it would be like the Holy grail. Cause if I could just, even if I came in here every day and was creating here, I would be so happy. Um, and I think that's the goal, at least for me is create, like find a way to make your income in a way that brings you actual joy Yeah, and like, isn't hurting anyone and is providing value, um, to be able to do something that doesn't hurt anyone else, but provides other people value and you get joy from it is kind of to me like the winning uh, formula. Absolutely. Um, so there's that. And then I think, I mean, overall, you know, I want my biggest, it's, it's perfect that you tied it in. Cause I, I've been talking about it and 
I don't say it a lot, but my one of my biggest issues with the world that we live in is that almost all, not all, but a high percentage of the media, whether it be music, TV, movies, internet, whatever, actually sucks the energy from us. And and I I'm believe that we could create entertainment that actually sources us. And that's what I'm really up to. That's what I want to be creating and helping other people create. So a, a good example of this is one of my best friends is a very, very successful artist. And him and I have been working on this project together. And one of the first conversations we had, one of the people who's like a gatekeeper in the media world was like, well, there's no drama here. And it kind of was like that bummer of like, wait a minute, do you really want everything on TV to be Kardashian like? Mm -hmm. Because that's what you're actually saying is like, well, you don't have that Kardashian like drama. So there might not be a concept here. And but, you know, my thing is that's not helping us like that kind of programming, whether, you know, whatever, wherever it's coming from is actually hurting all of us. Mm. I totally hear that. And I guess there's an opportunity to be really intentional about how you create the drama, right? Because humans, I mean, storytelling, it's essential that you have some kind of a conflict, mm -hmm. but to be able to create sort of a, like a functional or healthy conflict, you know, that then your, your story gets to resolve or your work gets to resolve. That's a yeah. really powerful opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I always use this as an example. If you guys remember the movie Crash. I haven't seen it. Oh, that's a shame. I know. Um, I'm the worst at watching movies. So this you is, should watch Crash. I'm but, and it's, it's, just an, it's just, I think, a great example of this. Crash, I think Crash won Oscars. Uh, Crashes, and I, I'm not normally the person who likes the movie that wins Oscars. I usually think they're not the best movies. But Crash was highly entertaining. It had a message that was powerful about society and humans and the world we live in. And it was had this artistic aspect that it would be able to win an Oscar. And I think it that's actually what a lot of great children's books do, right? Like they they tell a story that has the kid like excited enough to pay attention, but there's a message in there that isn't so like slap you across the face with that you're like, I really don't want to hear it. It doesn't the message doesn't take away from the story, and the story doesn't take away from the message. But that's not what we get if you turn on the TV or the radio. It's, it's, it's messy and it's dirty and it's like, let's either show you how, why you should be lucky that your life isn't as messed up as these people's right. or you should want their life of some way, shape or form. Yeah. And I think it's essentially all intended to divide instead mm -hmm. of to connect, you know, and your work definitely is about connecting people. Side note, did we tell you that Jeff and I are writing a children's book? Have no, I told you that? No, I am <laughs> actually, very... I actually have, it's in my like list of things that are, are next on the list. I have a children's book That's awesome. thing in there. So. It's very, it's so funny for us, but if can we you don't, say what it's called we don't have or a child yet. yet. So this is kind of fun, but, um, I'm not sure. Can I say out? I don't know. Well, I'm like looking at him to see you, if it's okay. it's okay with me sharing it. Um, you don't have well, to. we've already started writing are there animals? It's, it's in process. Um, there is a gender non-binary lead little fuzzy creature of some sort. I don't really know what we would <laughs> call his species yet or whatever, 
but yeah, it's super cute. When we finish, when we finish writing some of this down and like send off the send off the material, I'll definitely come back and share all the details with you. But that's awesome. It's really cute, and we're having a blast, and it rhymes, and we've got a song written for it. It's got its little theme song. We're gonna make some stuffed animals. To oh, go that's with so it. cool! It's so cute. Yeah, I actually got mine came out of my girlfriend's dog and my cousin's dog watching them play together and like fall in love. Mm. I like started doing voices for them. Like what, you know, they, you know, it's like the, the, uh, when like the, what people leave and like the animals all come alive, right. And suddenly they're like throwing house parties and stuff. Yeah. I was doing voices and then I was like, Oh my God, this is, we can totally create a book out of this. Uh, but I think it's super fun. Like the kid's idea, that model of like telling a really simple story that provides value is like, why do we not have that? I don't think, I, I believe that as, as adults, we could actually be entertained with that. Like music. I have a, I know a guy who just put out a music video and it's like, um, it's not hip hop, but it's more like, uh, like poetry, but it has a beat behind it. There's somebody singing vocals and it's all about, you know, like changing your life and being uplifting. And it's really good. So here, let's, let's flip the car back around okay. and go back it. a second. We're, we're all over the place in this conversation. It's fun. Let's yeah. talk about the things you've had to overcome and cause there'll be more, but what have you like personally, like the challenges that you've had to deal with and be with to get you here? Um, and I really like to look at this because I think we all think that we have like, it's our own stuff. Like that thing that happened to me is just me and and but when people come on here and they're successful and they're powerful and they share, my hope is that somebody listening is like, oh, my God. Wow, I've had a situation like that. It's not just me. Yeah. And I can overcome it and do whatever I want to do. Yeah. I think I would sum mine up in sort of two major categories. Um, and as we go, we may find that they're all very much the same and connected. Um, but one, I think, is even what at this point with my clients, I would call like high performer problems. Like I was really ambitious, really active as a kid and like was out on stage from the age of three um, and had a lot going on, but that created a lot of not enoughness in my life. I had like perfectionism, overdrive, and kind of grew up in a family that had really high expectations that I could not ever meet or at least didn't feel that I could meet. Um, you know, I think a lot of us have those, those families and caregivers who are so well-intentioned, they want us to really thrive and be our best, but the way they try to get it out of us is sometimes with less than encouraging <laughs> words and feedback. Um, so I had a lot of that and I, I spent, especially my teenage years and, and twenties feeling pretty hard on myself on the inside. I dealt with a lot of depression, anxiety. Um, I started self-harming at age 12. And that was something that I struggled with pretty regularly until the age of 32. Um, and that, that was a lot. And it impacted, I think that fear of never, never feeling or being good enough really impacted a lot of my relationships and led me to have some pretty healthy or unhealthy, especially romantic relationships. Um, and I think... The other, I definitely said these would probably be related, and they are. Um, I went through some some trauma and some abuse from my teens and my 20s. I was sexually assaulted at 17, again at 24, and again at 33. 
Um, and it, it was a lot to work through, and I've spent a lot of years doing the recovery work around that and the exploration around that. But at a certain point, and this leads to sort of my other hurdle that I overcame, part of that was this like the victim slash warrior mentality of feeling like, oh, I've, I've overcome so much and worked so hard, but you start wearing your trauma as kind of a badge of honor. You know, so you really start to lead with that. And that's the way that people start to identify with you is, oh, this this poor, poor lost soul who's been through so much. And it really hijacks your power when that's how you introduce yourself or that's how your energy shows up. So I think that's been the biggest thing for me is rediscovering that my my power and my grace and my leadership has really nothing to do with those kind of things and with the trauma, they inform my life certainly, but they're not at this point, especially they're, they're typically not the stories I lead with when people ask me about my life and what my work is about. And that's cool because if you'd asked me the same question, probably even three years ago, maybe certainly if you'd asked me this five, 10 years ago, you know, that would have been probably the main thing we would have talked about is, Oh, here's, here's all the things I've been through, you know? So really shifting how I relate to myself from that place has been the biggest hurdle and the biggest, um, transformation. It's thanks for sharing it. Yeah. Like just openly, honestly, what's the, cause I, I, I think the thing that it's true, it's not like these things didn't make you who you are, right? but who you are had to actually move through these things. Like there's this weird, that's it's, it's a, they're, they're weirdly combined, but they're not responsible. Right. Like you're responsible for who. So who did you have to be? I want to kind of look at and maybe it's the same because you talked about like depression, anxiety, self-harming. And then you talked about like the sexual trauma. Who did you have to be to like get to the other side of these things? Mm -hmm. I think this is funny. I was I was thinking about this yesterday because I'm, you know, as I do more writing I want to be open about these things I've been through without having it be the main thing that people identify when they think of my name. Um, but I think part of who I've had to be is authenticity. You know, so many people get lost and bogged down in the shame around this stuff. And it's really hard to release the shame or not just not get totally hooked in it. If you can't be authentic and be open about what you're going through or what you have gone through. And I know so many people who suffer through things alone, you know, and want to work it out. And so the willingness to be authentic and to share and say, hey, I went through this. It's messy. It's not pretty. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't make you want to go out and live this life and be like, oh, best life. Let's do what this girl's done. Um, but to, yeah, just to be vulnerable, to be open and be connected, I think has been the biggest thing. And then... The other thing, and this is one of the things I really got from the training that we've both done, is the responsibility piece. And this this one is a hard thing to talk about, I think. Um, and I do a lot of work with survivors and, and um, peer counseling groups for people who've been through trauma and abuse. There's such a fine line between talking about responsibility and then victim blaming, you know, and it feels like what what is the the best way to talk about that? But that concept of taking responsibility and just looking at, okay, who am I being that totally shifts the atmosphere and shifts how people relate to me? It, that was just such a powerful conversation. I mean, that's one that you could spend a whole nother, you know, hour talking about, but to take a look at, 
just really owning your power and owning the impact that you have on the people around you and how, um, you know, based on some of the things you've been through, you kind of start to sell people on a story about you. And you really have to check in with yourself on, is this actually, is what I'm selling what I want people to buy from me? You know, and that's the biggest thing, just being really responsible for who you are telling people that you are and what kind of behavior you're training them in and how you're, you're teaching people to relate to you. And we all do this in like our regular everyday relationships. Yeah. Oh, and I absolutely. think that's like the simplest place. I just recently had a conversation where I apologized to somebody important in my life. And I was like, I'm sorry that I, you know, made you believe that, you know, I couldn't handle this thing, you know, or that I, it was, I mean, it's in my relationship. It was like, Hey, I'm sorry that you were willing to like put something that was important to you aside because you thought I was like stressed out and couldn't handle this thing that I was doing when like, I actually created that. Like yeah. I got you to buy into that story, which is all nonsense. Um, and it doesn't mean that I don't feel the stress and I don't have all these things, but like I created that relationship. I think we do that all the time. Yeah. Oh, things, I notice you know? in my, in my relationship now, I mean, you can go ask Jeff and we walk out of this room, but every now and then bring I, him in right now, no. I try to sell him on the hot mess sometimes. And it's, you know, there's some little part inside of me that gets some needs met that way. And, and thanks to myself, if he thinks I'm messy, maybe he'll take care of this for me, or maybe I'll be off the hook for something, you know, and it's totally not an accurate representation of who I am. And I really have to catch myself. In fact, I noticed I caught myself in this conversation when we were talking about chakralesque and talking about that work. I was very quick to put in, oh, I'm not an expert on this or this or this. <laughs> I've studied these things for 22 years. <laughs> I've studied this for decades. Not, you, know? you need like 25 and to be an expert. Yeah, you need until three, it's been a couple 40 more years. years. Yeah. Um, until I've studied it longer than anyone else alive, I will not own my expertise. And that's it's just such a funny thing to notice that I that I'll still put that in, you know, and still sort of like apologize for my power or apologize for my creativity, which is totally silly. So strike that from the record, yeah. please. Well, and if you're, if you're listening to this, you're like, I wonder how I'm doing this. You know, there's mm -hmm. so many ways you can look at, I just was having this, the same conversation where I was like, you know, in my relationships, I show up to start the relationships in this very like best boyfriend, best, like I start it like at a 10. Oh, so I you're a high performer I, at the beginning. I come in, yeah, I come, come in, in at a 10. Yeah. And and that's kind of how I do everything. Like whatever I start, I come in on the on a as as high as I can, right? Like I can only do what I can do. But then as time goes on, I like let up, my foot comes off the gas, like I'm not as focused, I get distracted by other things. And then what is it set up for a whole lot of disappointment cuz it's like you know, you show up, I show up like Prince Charming on a white knight, like on a white horse. And all of a sudden, you know, I'm riding in on a ragged little pony <laughs> with like, like torn up, you know, like scraps on and uh, eating beans out of a can. And it's like, this is such a, wait, what happened to, and neither one is bad or good or right or wrong, but it's kind of a setup because you know, while you said hot mess, mine is like, well, I'm a disappointment. Yeah. Well, and it's just not an accurate representation of who you are, you know, like one's sort of the performance of who you are. And then one is you totally selling yourself short. Yeah. So yeah, it is funny how we all do it. And everybody has some place where this shows up and the higher you start to get, as soon as you start to level up, there's that part of you that will always try to retreat back to this habit. One and 
and we can see the 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 story that 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 story runs through all the different places. Um, I heard somebody on on another podcast. I'm like blanking on who it was or what podcast, but they were talking about how they've had a million relationships and they've all gone wrong. And none of those women are to blame. They're like, <laughs> this guy right here is the only problem reason that all those things went. And if you're listening to that and going, well, what about those other people? Well, they get to do their own, Hey, all the relationships I've been in, but we only get to like, look at our own. You yeah. Know? I don't get to change the women I've dated and you don't get to change the men you've dated. I'm fairly certain that it was Christopher McAuliffe who pointed at my relationship history at one point and said, what's the one thing all of these jerks have in common? It's you. <laughs> I was like, like, they're <laughs> men. It's that they're men. That's the one thing that it's they have It's all our fault. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's great though to look at it. What would you, what advice would you give to I was going to say like young women, but like this could be women of any age because there's plenty of women of all ages that have not, and men probably too, for that matter, that haven't um, been able to overcome challenges like you talked about. Like we know how prevalent anxiety, depression, um, you know, harming yourself, but then also like what one out of one out of three women is assaulted. I think it's like one out of six men. Um and those are just what we know about, right? So it's probably, so if, you know, someone's listening and they haven't done the work that you've done, and maybe they're afraid to, maybe, you know, they don't know what to do. Like, what, what do you, what would you say to them? What would you give them? Thanks for asking that. And, and for pointing to the fact that it is men and women I've worked with, I've had clients, you know, both men and women who have been through some very similar things. Um, I think first and foremost, it's compassion above all else including having compassion for your coping mechanisms. You know, a lot of the times you will cope with one trauma by sort of creating a, a smaller, softer one in your life that your, your brain and your body can start to process. Um, so being really compassionate with yourself about your process and your coping mechanisms. And then also so important, getting some kind of support, getting some level of professional support outside of yourself. Um, it's not that your friends and family aren't great and it's not that, you know, they don't love you and want to hear what you're going through, but they're often not equipped to actually deal with things or give you the support that's going to really make a difference. And it's going to, it kind of puts it on them in a way that people just don't always know how to be with. Um, so getting some level of support, therapist, coaching, peer counselors, hotlines, all that stuff, it really does make a difference. And sometimes when you're in that dark place, you cannot imagine there's anything that could possibly help you. And that's not the case. And this stuff does pass and it is all a process. And sometimes the thing that has been the biggest trauma will eventually be a huge gift, but you, you have to actually do the work to be willing to, um, to shift how you relate to it. So I, I, the only thing I want to add is, and if you don't know where to go, just pick one, yeah. right? Like I've had clients sent to me because a therapist was like, you don't need therapy. You need coaching. And I've had clients and I'm sure you have too, where you're like, therapy might actually be the thing. Right. Or people have both or, you know, a hotline could be the thing, right? There's no right or wrong. Just start with one. It just pick, yeah, start pick one yeah. and try it. And if the person that you find, if they're doing a good job and they're responsible, they will support you to find the thing that you need. And then you get to choose. And I think, and I know we're, we need to wrap up, but one more thing is um, art, creativity. 
actually expressing in some way the emotions and the things that you're going through. A lot of times we lock it down and it gets trapped in our bodies and our, there's a wonderful book called um, The Body Keeps the Score. That book is a game changer. If you, anybody listening has been through any sort of trauma from a car wreck to abuse, anything, that book is, it's a game changer. Um, but finding some way to self-express, whether it's drawing or singing or dancing, whatever it is, but something to just keep the energy and the emotions moving, that makes a huge difference. The Body Keeps Score. Oh, so good. Such I've never a good heard book. of it. I'll check I it out. I can't remember uh, the author, but we'll I have mean, to... there can't be that many books named The Body not, Keeps Score. There are score. not that many books with that title, <laughs> um, but yeah, we'll have to put it on the, your website or something. Is there anything that else that you... You know what? Uh, well, I want you to give some parting words, um, but for fun, because I love, uh, I love getting to hear, what's the... What's the most, like if you had to compare and contrast Alex as a caricature from before transformation, from where you met me to now, oh, have some fun man. with that. See if you, you'll probably make me blush and get the, embarrassed. The pressure to be clever is on, but. You got to release. You got to be creative. Gotta Let be it creative. out. Let it flow. This is what I preach. Um, <laughs> <laughs> are you talking like um, sort of names of your mechanisms that sort I mean, of thing or i mean you know i think that uh, like people that got to know me post or through this podcast or whatnot have only seen it's i don't know that everyone got to see like where i started and i yeah. can only say my version right i describe myself in various ways but you know the first thing that comes to mind actually is a drawing that we made once of your defense mechanism and it was an old man struggling inside of a hammock that was built on quicksand. So you had this beautiful setting. It was like palm trees, hammock, beach, but you had some, for some reason, planted yourself in quicksand and you were just like crotchety and grumpy about it and like struggling your way through this amazing <laughs> life that you were living. It was so ridiculous. It's <laughs> pretty good. And it was like, you know, this young, attractive, vibrant, hilarious guy who saw himself as this like grumpy, broken down, never good enough. You know, guy was hilarious. Those days still show up. So funny. I mean, right? They all show up for they show up for all of us for sure. Um, but you today just seem so willing to actually enjoy your life in a real way and to share it with people. You know, there's no quicksand. If you find yourself stepping in it, you're like, oh, there's a path over here that's not made of quicksand that I also have access to. You know, and the quickness to choose. Um, and just to actually enjoy. I mean, even when we got here today, you were like, this is my amazing place. This is the beach right here. Like you, you just have all of this gratitude and this, um, and this willingness to share your gifts in a way that's inspiring. It's so Thanks for saying that. And I'm glad I asked, cause I, I often think that I'm in, I'm still that like the way I feel inside a lot of the time is that crotchety old man. <laughs> you know, I was reading a book the other night and my girl and I'm like, I'm reading this book and at three moments, she, I made three comments about the book and my girlfriend goes, you know, we've been reading for like 15 minutes and the only three things you've said have been negative comments about this book. And that's that old, right? It's just an old pattern. And the book isn't a negative book. It's just the things that stood out and what I was focused on. But I appreciate the reflecting on like, it doesn't always show up like that mm -hmm. because it used to, I think, almost always show up like that. And it's you know, the pendulum has like 
corrected. (laughs) Well, my practice that I have given myself over the weekend and for the next week is having my wins be bigger than my wine. Nice. So you can take that on with me. You might have just created the uh, title of this episode. Nice. What about for you? What would you like to leave people with today? Is there anything? You don't have to. I mean, I think with that, let your wins be bigger than your wines. I'd I'd leave you guys with that Um, and take a look where you need to enjoy your life more, celebrate more. Um, And if there's something that you are whining about that is a legitimate cause for concern, what can you take on to actually shift it? When we're done here, um, you should get online and make a wine glass that has that printed on it before somebody else steals this. Love it. Love it. All right. Visit. How? I'll have to make a website link. You can all go <laughs> buy one. Wins over wine. <laughs> yes, Um How do, how, <laughs> that's not real yet. That's in not the, real. Unless maybe it is. Jeff <laughs> has probably already bought the domain. He probably heard me say it. He's already like, do, 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 do. He's a pro at that. What do, um, how do people track you down, follow you if they want to see a burlesque show or hear you sing or speak? Where do, yeah. they, where do they find these things? So there are separate spaces for burlesque show and executive coaching. We have two very different websites. That's probably a good thing. <laughs> um, you can find me at CaseyCardenCoaching.com. That's K-A-C-E-Y-C-A-R-D-I-N, coaching.com. You can also look up Chakralesque.com, which is... If I can actually spell that out loud, C A J K R A L E S Q U E. I want a spelling bee in the third grade. Those skills are paying off right now. Um, and if you're in New York City at any point, look up uh, the operatic tease at Dwayne Park. It's on once a month and it's an opera burlesque show, which is delightful. Man, it would be so great. I'm just picturing like a uh, an SNL skit where a uh, someone like you shows up. For the wrong thing the with the wrong, wrong person. Hey, I really, I wanted to talk about improving, growing my marriage and you show up in a burlesque like outfit. like feathers and sequins. Yeah. yeah and I, like, love oh, I love oh, it. Oh, oh, that was the, that's four of the fourth <laughs> floor. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I almost left out. I'm leading a retreat in Costa Rica. Okay. Next month, the Divinely Expressed Woman Retreat. And you can go to divinelyexpressed.me. Um, we still have two spots open, I think. Um, and that's in Costa Rica, July 27th through August 3rd. Awesome. Yay. Casey, thanks so much for being here. Thanks for impromptu creating this with me. Um, but really thank you for not being afraid of the mean guy at the party and (laughs) trusting that giving the card to him would make a difference. Um, if we just think about like the ripples, you know, going to that silly networking event, um, you like forever changed my life. Uh, I think you forever changed the lives of anyone that I interact with. Uh, I think in a good way. I mean, I'm like in, po- in a positive <laughs> way. Good, I should good. say that, right? You changed my life positively. <laughs> but yeah, I'm like forever grateful. Um, Thank you. And I just, you know, I'm so grateful to have worked together and to have done this with you and just like proud to share you with the world. Thank you so much. I'm so, so happy to be here. This was a blast. Um, I'm really grateful for you and I'm really amazed by who you are and what all you're creating and all the people who are listening to you right now, how lucky, how lucky they are to get to hear you do this work. So thanks for having me. You're welcome. We'll do it again. Thanks for listening to another episode of the dream Mason podcast. I am grateful to have you here. Please support me and this podcast by subscribing on iTunes, Google play, Spotify, TuneIn, or YouTube and leave a review on iTunes and share this podcast with a friend. If you want more, 
or you're ready to play a bigger game and create more clarity, freedom, and success in your life, you can follow me on Instagram at inspirationalalex, or you can reach out to me at thedreammason.com or even email me at alex at thedreammason.com. Remember, you are a dream mason because your dreams don't build themselves. Thank you.